In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Advent, everyone. Today begins officially the first Sunday, or the first day of Advent. Now, it may look like Christmas in the church right now, but liturgically speaking, in the church, it's not Christmas time yet. Now, I know that we've been playing probably Christmas music since November 1st on 100.3, but it's technically not Christmas. Right now, it is Advent, and the word Advent simply means to prepare, to wait. That's what we're doing. In the church, in this season, we are waiting and preparing for what? For the birth of Jesus. Now, we know that the birth of Jesus is something that, it's an actual event that took place 2,000-some years, 2,000-some years ago, However, for us as Christians, when we celebrate Christmas, we're not celebrating it as a past event. We're celebrating it as an event that is supposed to be renewed. Like Christ is supposed to be reborn in our hearts and in our lives and in our families again. A a, a kind of a rebirth. Not only this, but we're called to a, not just a, a, a rebirth, but a change of life, a change of faith. Similar to Zechariah, Zechariah, we see, is he's a priest. He's his whole life he's followed God. It says in the, in the gospel today that he was righteous. He did all the right things. He followed the commandments. However, when it came time for him to really truly place his trust in God, he was unable to. We see that Zechariah was in need of some sort of renewal, a restoration, a rebirth in his faith. Probably because Zechariah, for all of these years, not only was he waiting for this opportunity to become the priest and to offer incense in the temple, which was a -a once-in-a-lifetime deal when you were a priest at that time, because there were thousands of priests. I wish there were thousands of priests today, right? But there were thousands of priests, and you may not even get the chance. Your whole life could go by, and you may not even get the chance to offer sacrifice, but it came to him. So not only is he waiting for this his whole entire life, he's also been waiting for what? He's waiting for a child. Now poor Zachariah and Elizabeth, at this, at this point, they're anywhere from like 70 to 90 years old. Which means that, you know, probably at that time they were getting married around like 13 or 14. So how many years were they waiting for a child? Poor Zechariah and Elizabeth were not asking much from God. I mean, it's not like they were asking for, like, you know, a mansion on Cass Lake, right? Like, they're asking for a child. They simply want a baby. And so you can imagine all of these years, 50, 60 years maybe, of waiting and asking and praying and begging, and nothing changes. And so we can kind of read into this that after a while, Zechariah might have began to start feeling like God wasn't really there, or that God didn't care, or that God didn't really want what they want, or that God didn't want to make them happy. Many of us, as we wait on God, and all of us have something that we're waiting on. Like, Lord, I'm waiting for my life to change. I'm waiting for a spouse. I'm waiting for a child, maybe. I'm waiting for my business to get better. I'm waiting for my husband to get better. I'm waiting for my wife to get better. I'm waiting for something. 
And oftentimes, when we don't see the change, we can begin to get dry with God. Deep, 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 deep down, you may not even recognize it, you may not see it, it's very faint, there is this little lie that makes us suspicious of God. Like, God, maybe you're not as good as you say you are. God, maybe you want to make everybody else happy, but you don't really want to make me happy. God, you love everybody else. I don't know how much you love me. And we can bury this, this mentality or this thought process for years and years and years of our lives. And so even though we might be coming to church and we may be saying our prayers, deep down in our heart, we're really doubting. We're not really believing. Now, for Zechariah, what's beautiful is that when the angel comes to him, he says, your prayer has been answered or has been heard. Which means that even in his old age, Zechariah is still praying. He's still asking God for a child. Which means that he had even a tiny, tiny glimmer of hope in his heart. He really, truly had something that was keeping him going. There was something there. Now, many of us today, yes, we have a glimmer of faith. A little tiny light. But God doesn't want a tiny little light. God wants our whole entire hearts to be filled with faith. Faith. He wants us to be so confident in God that we believe that the impossible is possible and what's possible is literally like nothing to God. How many of us today have that kind of faith when we pray? How many of us have that confidence in God Rather, what we do, kind of probably similar to Zechariah's, we try to give God, like, advice. Like, God, you know, I really think, like, I got some good ideas, Jesus. Just hear me out, God. Hear me out. Like, let me tell you how to be God. <laughs> right? Let me tell you what my great ideas are, God. This is what I think you should be doing. Like, maybe if you changed our president, like, that's a really good idea, God. Anybody agree? No, I'm so sorry if you, feel, if you don't feel this way. I'm very sorry. Anyway, it's not a political homily. Anyway, yes, we, we can give God advice. But we don't understand that God has a bigger picture. That God sees the bigger picture. For example, Zechariah is asking for a child. And imagine if Zechariah and Elizabeth would have had St. John the Baptist 40, 50 years before they did. Would John the Baptist have been able to prepare the way for Christ if he was born 40, 50 years before? No. And so God, in his wisdom, knew and understood. He sees all. And even though you and I don't see, especially, especially in those moments when we cannot see and when we feel like we don't believe, God is literally giving us the opportunity He's giving us the opportunity. It's actually quite the opposite. The devil tells you, right now, you're doubting, you don't believe, so you're a bad Christian. It's actually quite the opposite. When doubt comes into our hearts, my brothers and sisters, it's actually okay. You know, what? Yes. Doubt is okay. As long as our doubt leads me to go and seek God all the more. What we do 
is that the minute we begin to doubt, we begin to believe our doubts, and we begin to become lazy with our faith, and we begin to go down that deep, dark rabbit hole of God doesn't care, God is not real, my life is going to stay the same, my life sucks, poor me, woe is me. However, doubt can be helpful. Doubt can lead me to go and seek answers, to study, to read, to listen, to run to God. So today, my brothers and sisters, God is calling all of us to a similar journey with Zechariah. When God is silent with us, it's because he's calling us to be silent with him. What I mean by silent is to begin to spend time to listen to him rather than yelling at him all the time or telling him what he needs to be doing or just constantly complaining. What God is calling us to do is to be silent. That's what he did with Zechariah. Now, when we look at Zechariah in this situation, it looks like as though like God kind of punished him. And God was like, you know what? You're not believing me, so you know what? Uskut. Ooh. You're, you're done. I'm done with you. You're going to shut up for, for nine months. That's how we can look at it. Of course, there is a little bit of a type of reproach or punishment, but the punishment is to not put him down. It's to make him think. It's to make him stop and reevaluate his whole entire faith. To kind of reborn, be reborn to be recreated, to be transformed all again, all over again. He's basically, what God is telling Zechariah is, for the next nine months, as your child is being formed in your, in your wife's womb, I want to reform you through the silence. Oftentimes we can think as though, like maybe God is just punishing me. No, it's not a punishment. God doesn't punish us this way. But God does teach us. God does form us. God does purify us. And so God wants to do the same so that at Christmas we can be renewed and we can have living faith, not just external faith. So just a couple of ways in which we can enter into this rebirth, kind of a renewal of faith, is a couple of Lenten practices or Advent practices. What we don't realize is that Advent is actually a time of penance. Ugh. Ugh. Penance. Which means that technically there was a fast during Advent. Now the good thing is that Advent is only like 27 days, which is not as long as Lent, right? Lent is almost 50 days. Whereas we can take this opportunity in Advent to fast. It's going to be hard because for us, we're probably, every, like our parents and everybody is like making like kuleche and, you know, we're getting ready for like our, you know, pacha and we all have like 25 Christmas parties that we're going to go to and there's going to be great, good, awesome cookies and cupcakes and all that good stuff, which I have an addiction to. I totally get it. So it's going to be kind of hard. However, I really challenge us to fast for Advent. Pick something. If I can make any suggestions, I would say, if you got TikTok, y'all need to fast. Straight up. If you got TikTok, you need to fast. You need to fast from TikTok, exactly. 
Remove your TikTok for 27 days. You're going to make it, I promise you. You'll live. Your mind will be completely changed. You don't even realize how much it's warping your thoughts and your mind until you get rid of it. I challenge you. Get rid of your social media. Give up food. Give up something. Make room for Christ. The second thing um, that we could do is to read the Word of God. In the Gospel of Luke, there are 24 chapters. So if you were to begin on December 1st, on December 24th, you'd go one chapter a day, you'd finish the whole Gospel of Luke. How awesome for us to take 15 minutes, 10-15 minutes of our day to simply read the Word of God. To read the Word of God, like, we should be doing this. <laughs> we should be doing this each and every day. What a beautiful way, what a simple way to just spend 15 minutes to allow God to give us His message each and every day. Against all of the negativity and all of the evil messages that we're hearing each and every day, let's allow the Word of God to pierce our hearts. So we can read Scripture. And last but not least, is to go to confession. If you have not been to confession in over a month, you're way overdue. And if you can tell me that you haven't like racked up a couple of sins in the past month, I can't even make sure I can't even make it like three days. So if you're going like over a month without sinning, please let me know what you're doing. <laughs> please let me know. You will be my spiritual director. Okay. If you got no sins in one month, please come and let me know what you're doing. I don't know, Jenny Craig's secret, I don't know what you're doing, let me know what it is, okay? We all got sins. So, we need to go to confession. If not monthly, we should be going, if we're falling into mortal sin, we need to be going immediately. But if, not, if we're not falling into mortal sin, we should be going monthly. Imagine going six, seven, eight months with your best friend or your spouse and not ever apologizing or recognizing or acknowledging anything that you've done wrong. How would it go? Probably not very good. That's what we're doing when we avoid confession. We're avoiding apologizing to God. We're avoiding taking responsibility and acknowledging what we've done wrong. And that really does hurt our relationship with God. There is no better way, my brothers and sisters, to become brand new, to become a new human, than going to confession. And even those of us who are going to confession, we need to go to confession differently. We need to stop going to confession out of routine and just saying the same exact thing over and over and over. We need to literally, before we even go into confession, pray about what we're going to do when we leave confession. So that we can really truly become reborn. That, my brothers and sisters, is the whole meaning of Christmas. That's what, that's what Advent is all about. So that the baby Jesus doesn't become a little statue in our nativity scene, but he becomes alive. God becomes flesh in our flesh. So that we can experience and we can live with God and we become brand new creation, a new creation with God, with the baby Jesus at Christmas. Father, Son, Holy Spirit.